The following podcast contains spoilers for Blue Ruin and Green Room. You have been warned. Welcome back, everybody, to Keystone Film Review. This is your host, Glenjamin Button, along with your host, Miguel Mogusto. We are you equals. Know? You said host both times. Therefore, know, we I are felt equals. I like, instead of elongating the intro, I felt like just saying them both of us hosts. Yeah, I'm that. proud of you. You, you, finally, you finally think highly of yourself. Double hostos. Hey, 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 Glenn, Glenn, I got a question for you. Got hopefully an answer. In Mr. and Mrs. Smith, who stars alongside with actress Angelina Jolie? Well, if she's Mr. Smith, then I don't even know. It's got to be Brad Pitt. It is Brad Pitt. The sexiest Boom. lady in the world. The sexiest lady in the world. <clears throat> so, uh, how you been? <clears throat> Not bad. Yeah. Just uh, visiting PA a lot. Here we are here. You are? Recording on Easter. For oh good, old, good old Easter. Did you get any uh, tre- treats from the bunny yet? That bunny's a piece of shit. He didn't give me nothing. Oh, that son of a bitch. So mad at him. That son of a bitch. (laughs) How about you? Did (laughs) peanut butter get any egos? She did not, you know. Easter's kind of lame this year and many years. You know, it hasn't been uh, the same since the one Easter I got Tony Hawk's Pro Skater on N64. For Easter? (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know why I got it on Easter. No, my parents, they probably found it for like $10 and they're like, yeah, whatever. Don't color me jealous. I would have taken that anytime. <laughs> Instead, I was just getting little Nugent bars. Yeah, I mean, I got candy too, but that, that was just a really, uh, you know, my family was not rich growing up, so I have no idea why they got that. But whatever, you know, but you I had fun rich. with it. Uh, so, uh, did you see any movies last week that are worth noting other than the two? Uh, I wouldn't say this is worth noting, but last night I watched both of our movies, and uh, because I, you know, procrastination's a thing in the world, it's a deadly thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then after those two, I was like, you know what, I'm a little tired, but I could watch another movie. So we watched the movie Tag. Oh, yeah, but anyway, we watched the movie Tag with uh, with, those uh, people, those people. We got John Hannibal Burr, Hannibal Burr, Burr, Bureaucrast. Uh, a bunch of other people. Yeah, uh, Jerry Renner. Ed Helm. Uh, uh, I thought it was going to be better than what it was. It was very cringy, to be honest. See, I'm on the opposite end. I thought it was going to be worse than what it was. So I was pleasantly surprised. Um, but I do completely understand the cringe part. Uh, I like that they added some serious tones at the end. Um, you know, kind of brought it all home. But I, I, I get what you're saying. It is, it is definitely cringy. Uh, I just was not expecting much from it at all. So, yeah. like, I think I was getting this and Game Night mixed up. So I thought, like, I heard people say it was much better. But uh, it tag is not better that. than Game Night. But no, 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 it's not. But I Game got it mixed up. Game Night's fantastic, and yeah. uh, tag is pretty okay. Uh, so <laughs> that's the only thing I watched. I, I saw, uh, you know, last Sunday uh, was. Game of Thrones season premiere mm-hmm. uh, so I was kicked out of my house so my wife and her friend could uh, watch a bunch of uh, Game of Thrones episodes leading up to that one as you should have so I was forced to do a triple feature which is probably the first time I've ever not wanted to do a triple feature yeah 
just because I had things to do and work on, uh, you know, my movie. And but you know, I did one anyway. I saw uh, the best of enemies um, with Taraji P Henson and Sam Rockwell about the uh, civil rights activists and the uh, KKK president guy uh, becoming friends. Um, it, it was all right. I mean, it, it definitely had its moments. I feel like it dragged on a little too long. There was things that definitely could have been cut out or shortened, yeah. uh, turned into montages rather than entire scenes. Um, but overall, it was pretty good. It, I, I think the last 15, 20 minutes was worth it, but okay. I, I've seen movies with similar t- um, th- themes done a lot better. Um, I feel a little bit sad because now that he won an Oscar, I feel like he's going to take on bigger roles instead of doing more independent stuff like he used to. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope he again, does both. But Sam Rockwell is the man, so maybe he uh, maybe he does do both. Yeah, I, I could see him doing both. Uh, I He definitely has earned the bigger movie roles, but yes. um, I do, like, I'm, I'm with you. I hope he, he continues to do the smaller ones as well. Um, and then I saw Hellboy with uh, David Harbour, Milo Jovovich, Ian McShane, mm-hmm. uh, and how'd that go? Honestly, I, I, I did a lot of flack. I didn't hate it, but it's definitely not as good as the Ron Perlman ones. Yeah, um, it is messy at times. David Harbour, uh, you know, he he's he does his best. He didn't feel natural in the role like Ron Perlman did. Yeah, but he definitely saved the movie a couple times, okay. if that makes sense. Um, yeah, Ron Ron Perlman back in the day was trying his hardest to get a sequel made with yeah. Guillermo. Yeah, like a he thir- was trying a third one. hard. And yeah, it just didn't happen. Yeah, but uh, you could definitely see the Guillermo influence in this. There's a, a lot of the monsters felt like Guillermo del Toro monsters. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's definitely I can see why it's getting the flack, but I didn't hate it as much as a lot of people did. Uh, yeah, I don't then, know if I uh, I don't know if I care to see it. Yeah, I, if I were you, I, I I have the AMC Stubbs thing, so I just get to see things for free. Yeah. Um, well, not free, but you know, I see a lot for only twenty dollars. Pretty, pretty much cheap as heck. <laughs> yeah, well, especially when you're me. I'm not one of those people that forgets I have it and then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh. Yeah, it's. Uh, I I would suggest just waiting till it's on Netflix to check it out. But okay. it's. Uh, yeah, it's, it is what it is. Uh, and then I saw the Mustang, directed by Laura de Clermont-Tonnerre and starring Matthias Schoenertz, uh, Jason Mitchell, Bruce Dern, Gideon Adian, Connie yeah. Britton, um, and it's uh, about this uh, prison program that ha- lets prisoners um train horses to be auctioned off and kind of like a, a therapy thing uh kind of like an anger management thing because it's therapeutic in a way and it was great it was fantastic i i, I loved it um you I know like i remember seeing the trailer for that like a while ago I had I didn't I went in not knowing anything other than it was getting really good reviews and that the poster had a prisoner with a horse. Yeah. Uh, so I I like going into things b- as blind as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool things is one of the uh, side characters. He he's a he's a pretty big side character, but uh, I want to say he's the main side character. He's uh, his name is Thomas Smittle. Um, he actually was a prisoner that partook in that program. 
Uh, and there's and then this acted in the movie. Yeah, uh, and he he acted in the movie. He there's this. Um, I mean, he's no longer a prisoner. He's he's reformed, yeah. but uh, he there's this one scene. And when, with me saying that they auction off the horses, you know there's going to be a scene where they say goodbye to the horse. Mm-hmm. So there's nothing spoiling about it. That That's just part of the plot. Um, and if you didn't expect that, I don't know what you were expecting. Would you think these prisoners are going to have horses the whole time? <laughs> but uh, he's saying goodbye to the, one of the horses he trained. And, you know, I was shocked to find out he was a prisoner afterwards because it was so realistic. And it's probably because he actually does that all the time so yeah. he probably just knew what to uh you know kind of go with to to get there emotionally but uh yeah other than those three i didn't watch anything other than our two movies uh i Can mean i, I started watching little, little angry beavers again five movies and angry beavers and wow. angry beavers yeah i haven't seen angry beavers in so long yes <laughs> i started rewatching it last night because i bought the whole season on dvd you the, whole, You're the whole series avatar the last airbender screw you man i'm watching angry beaver <laughs> two nickelodeon exactly. shows one is better than the other <laughs> and the answer is angry beavers <laughs> i didn't know that was a question to be answered mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well well now we know Yep, and now we can get into our two movies for this week. We have Blue Ruin first. I apologize for the mystery. I don't mean to scare you. You're not in any trouble. I just thought you should be somewhere safe when you found out. With somebody. He's going to be released. I don't know how much you they are missed. Directed by Jeremy Saulnier, uh, starring Macon Blair, uh, Devin Rattray, <laughs> Amy Hargreaves, and other people um, who I don't really feel like reading. Kevin Kolak? Yeah, sure. That's one guy. Uh, <laughs> Blue Ruin tells the story of a mysterious outsider's quiet life is turned upside down when he returns to his childhood home to carry out an act of vengeance. Proving himself an amateur assassin, he winds up a br- in a brutal fight to protect his estranged family. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty accurate. That's pretty much it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm going to let you start off with this one. What do you think of Blue Ruin? <laughs> so I'll, I'll say this about both of the movies. I'll only talk about one, obviously, though, for now. Um, when I had watched both of these movies, I wasn't impressed as everyone else was with these movies. Oh, Glenn. Um, I mean, no, I liked it. I really, I really <laughs> did like it. But, like, it wasn't a movie that I was like, wow, this movie's the fucking bomb diggity dang. You heard that here. Um, but doing a second watch, I appreciated it more. I appreciated the cinematography more. I appreciated the acting more. Everything about it was much uh, more invigorating this time around than the first time watching it. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, when you named both of these, I was just like, uh, 
<laughs> oh man. But yeah, um, it's a super simple story. Uh, it's, it's basically a revenge movie mm-hmm. um, of this man getting revenge on the murder of his parents uh, for this guy who went to jail and didn't do the appropriate amount of time for it. So he went and he he little little uh, flesh wound in the in the temple there, and and then of course uh, he basically gets uh, caught. And now the family of that guy are now after his ass mm-hmm. and family. Mm-hmm. See, it's a super simple story. Um, as far as it goes, man, uh, I really I did enjoy it this time around. Um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, it, it really pulls you in. The first 20 minutes has like little to no dialogue, mm-hmm. which is honestly, I love it when movies do that and you can you can uh, stay interested and. Um, and when dialogue finally does kick in, it's so realistically uneloquent. Yeah. Um, like it doesn't feel like someone wrote it. It felt it felt like they were just like. Yes, yeah, like specifically the diner scene. Yeah, yeah. Where it, it just kind of jumps from one topic to another. It doesn't have a good flow, but in a way that's real conversations, that's especially real life, within a, man. yeah, especially with an estranged family. Uh, you wouldn't, you know, just have this remarkable well thought out situation and at some one point uh there um when one of his friends is helping him get prepared to take his revenge he's like remember no speeches uh, mm-hmm. and in a way he kind of ignores that but it works the way he does ignore it, it it's not eloquent he's not it's more him just hesitating killing them than having speeches um and, and I, I thought that was really great. I thought Macon Blair was the best part of this movie. He he has this kindness to him right off the bat that just really makes you root for him no matter what he does. And when he goes to commit this, you know, egregious act of, act of violence um, without even knowing why he's doing it other than the vague concept that he hurt his parents didn't yeah. even say that they're dead just says that he hurt them um, yeah they don't they don't talk about it they do it like briefly throughout the movie yeah so like in the beginning you don't really know what's going on you just know that yeah. he's a bad guy and he's gonna get him definitely uh i forgot a lot a, a huge part of this movie and i'm kind of glad i did because then it, it made it more of a mystery for me when watching it again uh, i completely forgot that the guy he kills initially was not the person that killed his parents yeah i forgot um, that too and that he was just doing time for his dad mm-hmm. uh and, and that really caught me off guard again like when uh you know he's driving away from the first murder scene and the kids in the back of the the limo, and he tells them that uh, Wade hurt my parents, and the kid just says, "I don't think he did," and then runs off. Yeah, I completely um, forgot about the kid too. I'm like, who's who oh, yeah. that guy? And and really, that in the end scene where he lets the kid go, that really shows that he still doesn't want to do this. He just doesn't want his his sister to get hurt. Yeah. And he trusts the kid to not hurt his sister, especially because they're they're half related. That you find out. Um, you know, the, with the whole thing that uh, hit Macon Blair's dad was sleeping with the person who killed his dad and mother, his wife. Um, so that younger kid is actually very, very complicated his, family history there. Yes, yes, it is. But it, also, it makes really sense. Good, really good plot twist. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the cinematography in this is so great. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 
the one thing I noticed while watching this, uh, this is called Blue Ruin and has a lot of hints of blue in it. And then Green Room has a lot of green in it as well. Yeah. Um, you know, the greens really pop throughout and the blues really pop throughout. It's definitely a lot more notable in Green Room. Yeah, it, definitely. It's just all there. Especially but that, the- that's also because uh, they, they sh- sh- um, in the area or the, the venue that they're in the most of the time has a lot of fluorescent lighting which has a natural green tint to it well, yeah, so. and that and they're surrounded by woods too yeah yeah absolutely they're in oregon which is already a green place yeah um but yeah i i absolutely loved both of these movies and uh yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah um so that's the thing they're such like easy watches but at the same time good but you don't really have too much to talk about them, mm-hmm. at least in in my opinion. That's that was more or less my problem the first time watching it. But then, then again, I wasn't more of a film guy than I am now. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, these and <laughs> you can tell the guy, uh, the director is from Virginia because oh yeah, he talks about it a lot and like he there's a lot of mentions of places in Virginia. Like I know where the fuck that is now. I live, I live there. Yeah, and he does that in Green Room as well. Yeah, we'll uh, I mean, that. Green Room takes place in Oregon and is shot in Oregon, but the band is from Arlington. Yeah. Um, Arlington, which I'm like ten minutes away from. I'm like, okay. yeah. <laughs> and, I, uh, I, I like uh, seeing Devin Detray or Devin Retray in this too, uh, who played Buzz in Home Alone, uh, mm-hmm. which is one of Macaulay Culkin's brothers. Um, I don't know. I like seeing kid actors grow up and having pretty decent careers and yeah and, still being in stuff yeah and not being bad and stuff too yeah. like i mean he's he's not like amazing but he's it's also the role you know the role is kind of flat yeah but he there there he there uh there's this great scene where he and macon blair or macon blair rather follows him around and they they kind of meet up and they haven't seen each other in a long time and it's just so awkward and intense and you don't know how he's going to react and you find out that he's just like you know he's just kind of in this state of fuck it with uh his own life he's he's just pretty okay with it yeah yeah and and you know while they don't share much screen time together you can see that the friendship was there at some point and Mm -hmm. that they uh they they have this connection still, um, even though they haven't seen each other in years. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> I, like, like I said, I don't have too much to say about it. Me neither. Um, this is probably gonna be another short episode because yeah. uh, it's it's not that like it's just. No, in my opinion, it's not because we you, we always talk about how these movies are just like movies we don't have much to say about are just okay. Yeah, but these ones I personally love. I think they're great movies, uh, and. The fact that I don't have much to say about them is just because the story structure in general is so simple. Yeah, it's it's um, such a simple story that there's not really much to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah, both both times too. And pretty much, I explained a giant portion of it like five minutes ago. The exactly. guy goes out for revenge. The revenge comes after him for his revenge, and then it's it's just, it's a lot. Yeah, and like I, I think I think I could say one more thing, and it's just you did you did say how uh, making Blair's character was just like a nice guy and didn't want to do this stuff and like during all this like he didn't have like a solid plan like you could you could tell like he didn't think about it he was just going into it yeah and then when it was executed it got further and like he was just a normal guy like 
like uh, I was watching it with my my parents, and my dad was just like, "See now, why why would you do something like that?" I'm like, well, well, he's a normal guy. Like, yeah, he's, he's like, not. Well, he's I, not. A, he's he was living. It was, it was the scene where like the lights automatically turn on and he freaks out and jumps up. He's like, "See, I wouldn't have done that because I would have shot. Or I would have got up and got shot if somebody was actually standing." I'm like, well. Just the normal guy. He's yeah, that's the spirit. thing. A lot of people are so trained to think that movie heroes are perfect yeah. that when they're not perfect, they're like, oh, that's stupid. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's the fucking point. <laughs> yeah, He's supposed to be stupid. He's supposed to be a normal guy. He's supposed to be less adequate at things than even people who see a lot of movies do because he is a recluse who lives in his car. He doesn't mm-hmm. watch movies to know exactly, you know, to have that natural instinct of don't do that. And, um, and like, granted, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. They they weren't watching when I watched the first half of the movie. So they, okay. they came in, like, not really knowing what was going on. When so he's was, already deep in it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, 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 like, yeah. He's a normal guy. He's a normal guy. <laughs> Uh, I actually love the fact that you know he he tries breaking into a car to steal a gun, mm-hmm. and then uh, when and then he's, the gun's got a lock on it, yeah, the gun's got a lock on it, and then he busts the gun while trying to get the lock off, and then he's just stuck with using a knife. Which you know, if you're trying to kill someone for the first time, you don't really want to use a knife just because. Yeah, it might not go so well, especially when you're just a normal guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another thing I, I can say, they do this in Green Room, too, where like it will be extremely gory. But unlike like Quentin Tarantino or Eli Roth or someone, it doesn't focus on the gore. It'll go there for like a half second and then cut away like just enough to see what's happening. But then it won't shove it in your face, which I really yeah. like because um, that's the thing that bugs me about a lot of gory horror movies is that it just shoves the gore in your face when if you're trying to get in the same mindset as your characters, your characters aren't just going to stare at the gore while it's happening. They're going to look away because no one wants to see that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, the only people that wouldn't look away are probably doctors and surgeons. And that's just because they're used to it. Um, but people who aren't used to it aren't just going to keep looking and just be like, ah, yeah. So it really, in my opinion, when they shove it in your face, it really reminds you that you're just the audience and you're just watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're not really with the uh, actors and in, in you're not with the characters in, in, on their side. Yeah, um, I could say one more real big thing about this. I'm so glad the movie is only an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. Because any longer, uh, this it didn't need to be. So it's kind of like at that perfect hour and a half mark where like the story's so simple that like nothing else needs to happen or like they didn't have to take anything away. Like I felt like it was at a perfect length to me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I think it it stays just at the point. I, I wouldn't have minded if it went on for like another five minutes, but I think it, it, it ends right when it needs to end. You know, yeah. it doesn't doesn't do this thing, which, uh, you know, as I talked about earlier, um, the best of enemies kind of did where it dwells on things and, and really tries to, you know, let things sulk in when they, it doesn't need to. Like, it doesn't add to the story at all. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's perfect. And I'm also glad that... Um, 
you know, going through all this shit, the main character doesn't live just because it doesn't make sense for him to live in this story. Yeah. And and I feel like there's a lot of people who would a lot of people who would write it and try to find a way to make him live. And uh, Jeremy Saulnier, he actually says when he writes things, um, if he notices that a person did something stupid, he especially with Green Room. In Green Room, his his rule was if the person does something stupid while he's writing it, they have to die. Uh, yeah. He's not he's not he's not going to save them. So yeah, uh, I think that that is a a great way. That's to, a great rule because it's real life. Yeah, exactly. And I and and Blue Ruin, he the guy does. Uh, the main character, Macon, who who's played by Macon Blair, he does stupid things, but it doesn't. It's not out of the question that he would have survived up until the end. When like, yeah, he he would yeah, have died also, in the end. He but, also didn't have a plan to. Not that he was looking to get shot at the end, but he did also didn't really plan to stay alive after all this. Yeah, I mean, he, there's many times throughout where it's, uh, where he's just like the only his only reason to stay alive in the entire movie is to make sure his sister and his uh, two nieces will be fine. Mm -hmm. And then once he finds out that they'll be fine, which is once he kills everyone that is going to hurt her, that's when he's okay with dying and, and kind of just doesn't care. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's his motivating factor throughout the entire thing, which is in, incredible because it makes sense. Like he, he, his only will to survive is to make sure his sister is fine. And, protecting the familia. Yeah, and he doesn't get a straight answer either way un until you know they're dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I, I guarantee you, if they had promised him and in a believable way that once he was dead, that they wouldn't go after his sister, he probably would have just let him die. Yeah, uh, let himself die. And uh, yeah, I think that was you know a a, a great character arc for uh, the character. Same. I know this is personal. That's how you'll fail. I'd forgive you if you were crazy, but you're not. You're weak. Hello, it's me. By my count, that's two of yours and two of mine. I don't know how this ends. That's how this works, man. You want the gun gets to tell the truth. Shall we move on? And that, that wraps up Blue Ruin right there. That wraps up Blue Ruin. Let's move on to Green Room. Okay, I'm with the Eight Rights from Washington, D.C. You guys are hard to find. Why no social media presence? The music is shared live. It's time and aggression. You gotta be there. Sorry, guys, we gotta clear up. Follow me. And then it's over. Holy shit. Hold you to follow. Hey, stop! No! 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 No
keep us here. You gotta let us go. We're not keeping you. You're just staying. We're so fucking dead, guys. What do we do? Oh, shit. This will be over soon, gentlemen. Written and directed again by Jeremy Saulnier uh, and starring Anton Yelchin, rest in power, uh, Joe Cole, Alia Shawkat, Caleb Turner, David W. Thompson, Mark Weber, Macon Blair. I'm just going through all of them because I like all of them. Eric Edelston, Michael Draper. Uh, and then we got Imogen Poots and Sir Patrick Stewart. What a cast. What a cast indeed. And Green Room tells the story of a punk rock band that is forced to fight for survival after witnessing a murder at a neo-Nazi skinhead bar. And that is a perfect one-sentence synopsis for it. Pretty much. That's all you need. Yeah. Uh, Again, kind of going through the the whole thing, it it starts off with, um, you know, just limited dialogue in a way not not as much as as blue ruin but it, it's it shows you who they are it opens up with uh, a van in the middle of a cornfield and kind of reveals that it's a it's the the touring van of a band the driver fell asleep at the wheel kind of gives you a good idea of how long they've been out there and uh yeah it, jeremy Sonia is really good at building his characters within the first five minutes. Yeah. Uh, you know who everyone is. Everyone is has, has their own discernible qualities, and and he, he's just kind of a master at that, and I, I really love it. And he really, he really sets up, again, with the color tones. He really sets it up in both movies right in the beginning. Yeah. Like, these guys are in the middle of a cornfield, corn... Uh, Stocks are, you know, green, surrounded mm-hmm. by a green, green mm-hmm. room. Welcome to welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it, it's this. This movie's great, and Patrick Stewart. This is not a movie that I would think Patrick Stewart would do. In fact, when I saw the trailer and I saw Patrick Stewart, I was like, "What are you doing, Patrick Stewart?" <laughs> like in a good way. Like I, I was pleasantly surprised, and he actually read the script while he was alone in his home and was so terrified of of his character that he had to turn on all the lights in his house that (laughs) night because he was just so kind of like not freaked out and probably didn't think anything was going to happen but he was just so chilled he didn't want any darkness in in his house and uh it's it's just that i like hearing that from someone who's so accomplished to admit that like a a script that for a small a movie like this is so uh, so alar- uh, alarming to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess we, before we get real into it, um, this this was of course I said earlier another movie where I watched it the first time. Uh, we watched or I watched it with a mutual friend of ours, and uh, we went out to Delaware for a theater. Um, and like there was there was parts where I liked it, and then. Everybody else at the end of the movie seemed to like it, liked it way more than I did. Mm-hmm. And of course, I didn't want to like disagree with them. So I kind of was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah it was good. Because <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with the masses and get murdered with pitchforks. Um, so my first time watching it, I... I That's my I, life, by the way, disagreeing yeah. with the masses and getting murdered by pitchforks. So I, I, of course, I didn't want to disagree with them. But I mean, I liked, liked the movie. I like the movie for what it did in most of the scenes. 
But overall, I didn't enjoy it enough to, again, want to go out of my way to see it any other more times. Um, second time watching it, I thought it was much better than the first time I watched it. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and I can definitely say that because, again, the, the plot and everything is real. This is a real-life movie, pretty much. Like, mm-hmm. events and the uh, actions that take place can happen. Sure. It's a punk rock band going to a skinhead bar. That's a little... That's a little. That's that's a little too real, man. That happens. Yeah. That happens I, I love that uh, they. De- I mean, I know this was written by the director, but they decided to play uh, the first song. Um, yeah. Dead Kennedys, Nazi punks, fuck off. That was mm-hmm. just. That was a great way. I mean, they they definitely said it throughout the film, but that was a great way to show you exactly how much they did not agree with that, and th- that's also another misconception where a lot of people think like metalheads and punkheads are are. Uh, you know, racist, and they, there definitely are those people who are there. But in yeah, my but experience, more or less, there's just like they're good people. Like we've talked about that before with the uh, that one other movie. Yeah, with um, uh, Bomb City. Yeah, yeah. Bomb City. Um, I, I I think it is just a a great. You know, growing up a metalhead and, and kind of being thrown in with those people, it, it really bothers me that they get this bad rap. Because in my experience while they listen to aggressive music they are among the nicest people out there and they just mm-hmm. they really just want to have a good time and that's all they want and they want to the, their music expresses their frustrations which is um, you know doing that through music is much better than punching people in the face yeah so why not let people do that um but you know there definitely are those skinhead type people that are out there and it's it's frustrating but you know, what are you, what are you gonna do? There, there's more, more racism than just in, in punk rock. So <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, like again, um, going through this movie, there's the acting I thought was. So I don't know, I don't know why I didn't like these two movies at first. I mean, maybe it was just a different place in life at that point. I was just, I don't know. I have noticed for me personally, if a movie is not what I was expecting it to be. Th- there's a good chance that I wouldn't like it. Uh, but there's also the opposite where if it wasn't what I was expecting, what I was expecting it to be, I would absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I get it with this. You know, I, I thought that uh, I could see where someone would think it's not that great at first and then rewatching it. It definitely, it definitely uh, awards multiple viewings. Um, yeah. And I, I, we said earlier that, uh, you know, when writing it, Jeremy Saulnier said that if a character did something stupid, he would have to kill them in, in the script. And um, the thing I like about it is that all of the deaths are so anticlimactic, mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense, because like they'll go do something like they'll be this huge buildup and then they'll just die. And yeah. that's another that's another act of the um you know, another example of the realism of, of these movies is that there is no fanfare for death. There is no huge scene of mourning. And while they do mourn their friends, it's not like they stop and have this huge scene where they have time to mourn them correctly because they're still in the, the shit. They still have to get out of there. So yeah, they, like they don't really... There's no time to pause. It's just all 
it's happening real quick. Exactly. And uh, another, again, this is another example of Jeremy Saulnier using gore, but not throwing it in your face. Uh, Probably most notably is when uh, Anton Yelchin's hand gets hacked up by a machete. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you see just enough of it, but it doesn't, it's not like in other movies where just be, oh, look at it. Look at it. It's gross. Ah, they, they'll show you for like half a second and then cut away. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty gross. Yeah, it, no, it was gross. It was I'm not gross. saying it's not gross. The gore, <laughs> the gore was definitely there, but it doesn't focus on it. Yeah, you know, they they try to cover it up pretty much immediately, um, and yeah, it's <laughs> again. I just felt bad for the dogs in this too. <laughs> well, you, you felt bad for the dogs, but mainly because they're dogs but then you realize they're more or less the villains in this, this. yeah i, I felt also, more they're kind of like they don't choose to be villains that's the yeah, thing i i yeah that's the thing like they they did they just don't know better you know yeah. they they that's were they were trained they were trained and raised that way and that's mainly what i felt bad like i didn't feel bad for them when like the protagonists were like hitting them trying to get them off while they're ripping their friend's throat out you 100 percent felt bad at the end of the movie when the uh the one dog goes all the way from the bar all the way to this different location just to be with the owner that's when you felt real bad you're like okay definitely absolutely um um but uh i will say this uh with the with the cast uh when I watched it the first time, I didn't really know who this one dude was. Uh, uh, Tiger, uh, Callum Turner. I I recently watched a movie, uh, Only Living Boy in New York. I was like, is that, is that that fucking guy? The like guy I didn't know the first. Yeah, the guy who plays Tiger. Um, I didn't notice he was that guy from uh, Only Living Boy in New York. Yeah, Callum Turner. Yeah, and then, it's watching this movie again. I'm like, what the fuck? What the fuck? What a role difference there. Yeah. Um, and then Anton Yelchin, obviously. Um, what is Emojin's boots? What has she been doing? Like she in she general, really, or yeah, like she was in this, and then she was like the last movie I've seen her in before that was Need for Speed. I think before that was uh, or after that was oh, what is that one movie? That awkward moment, I think, with uh, Zach Efron. Right? Yeah, I think I think she's been doing a lot of smaller movies. Like she's in, um, like I feel like she could be in bigger movies. That's the... yeah. She was in uh, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stomping. <laughs> the hell is that? Uh, that was that was that uh, Lonely Island movie with uh, uh, where it's kind of like making fun of Justin Bieber. Okay. Um, she's she yeah she's in a lot of smaller movies like I Kill Giants, uh, um, Have Had, uh, Frank and Lola. But yeah, she she's uh, I think she's more selective with her movies because she definitely could get bigger roles if yeah, she so wanted I feel to. Like but... She she has the power to be in bigger stuff, but I guess yeah, yeah she's doing her own thing. Cause she was she was in Filth too, and I loved. I she was in Filth. filth. Uh, the first time I remember seeing her time. is Twenty Eight Weeks Later. Uh, she's in V for Vendetta. She plays young Valerie, um, and uh, she's in this movie called A Long Way Down, which I really like. And I suggest anyone who's listening to check that out. It's about these four people who, by fate, all try like go to jump off the same building at the same time mm-hmm. <laughs> and kind of meet each other. And they're just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump off. Well, yeah, me too. And then they make this pact to like try to live their <laughs> 
live their life and kind of start this support group, which is it's really touching and cool. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, she she definitely could be in bigger things if she wanted to. Um, but, but yeah, anyway, this the cast. Moving on, the cast is definitely excellent. Uh, you got Megan Blair in there, who is obviously in Blue Ruin, so it was yeah. nice to see him pop up again. I love Megan Blair; like he's he's one of my favorite actors. I, I yeah. love seeing and him. I feel like he was definitely, uh, in my opinion, better in this movie, but it's more or less because he was given more emotion to have. Yeah, in he movie. he like in in Blue Ruin, he's more the same person throughout. Like he's. He's obviously troubled. Uh, he, you believe it when he kills someone, and you also believe it when he doesn't want his sister to be killed. Like he's, yeah. he's vengeful, but he has a heart. And like they're two um, di- they're completely different roles, hundred percent. Absolutely. And in this, he's like a neo-Nazi that kind of realizes, hey, this is kind of fucked up. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. Yeah. And uh, and I I, I love that aspect of it. Um, it was so weird and still is in a good way seeing Patrick Stewart in a villain role. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember another time. I'm sure he was, but I can't remember another time where he was a villain. Um, and I know, especially from watching American Dad, just hearing that same voice say terrible things and just kind of calmly telling people they're going to die. It's it's chilling, really. Yeah, it's traumatizing, really. Yeah. And as as it should be, it scared him himself, and he played the character. <laughs> Indeed, um, but yeah, I, I really, I think Anton Yelchin's death hit me really hard because I saw this two days before he died. Yeah, and I was just like, after seeing this, I was really excited for the rest of the stuff that he had coming out. And then, yeah, when I found out he died, I was like, damn, that that sucks because he's. He he was so talented and yeah he was he was taken before his time um, and of course I'm gonna sound like an asshole but uh, like his his death didn't really hit me like I only had known him from Star Trek but that was really about it yeah I I had uh like it didn't hit me like every, it hit everybody else everybody seemed to be well not seemed they definitely were really sad about it but then I was like I, I'm trying to remember what I, I knew him from Alpha Dog um. I, I knew him from Hearts in Atlantis when he was like 12 years old or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then definitely Star Trek. And a few smaller things, but like he had so much when when he did die, he had so much set out to come out. Like he had uh, Thoroughbreds coming out. Um, he had Star Trek Beyond coming out, uh, which he plays a great check off too. Yeah. Um, and he he was directing something too I, I think it's coming out like they finished it with some help uh let me see if i can find it or maybe not maybe he was and then it got canceled after he died because you know he wasn't i forget how he died he uh, it was a car crash right uh somewhat he it was a failed parking brake on his car caused his car to roll back and pin him against a uh, a brick wall. Oh jeez. Um, and it happened at like one a.m. So like no one was around to to help him out. Mm-hmm. Um, Rudderless Two is another movie he was in that I I loved. Um, but yeah, it's it's really sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean no doubt. I mean 
I don't want to make it sound like I don't have sympathy, but yeah, yeah, no, I I, I was just saying that his death didn't really impact me as much as it did everybody else. Yeah, it honestly probably wouldn't have had I not seen this right before because, like, I I always liked him, but I was excited for his career after seeing this. No, he definitely he would have definitely had a pretty great career. Yeah, yeah, especially after this movie. Exactly. I mean, he's he's uh he's fantastic in this like um that i was actually reading that story he tells about the paintball uh the paintball story where like the marines are slaughtering him and then one of his friends just kind of like, we don't have time for this went crazy yeah yeah one of his friends just went crazy and just shot all the marines with the the paintball gun that was based on a real story that uh jeremy saulnier had where uh, he was at a bachelor party and the Marines were like obliterating him and one of his friends <laughs> just snapped and like went Rambo on everyone. <laughs> hey man, write about, write about what you know. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I do that all the time. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's all I got to say about Green Room. Um, probably can talk a little bit about it. So, um, I guess we, we were talking earlier about how like the, the deaths in this movie pretty happened pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoy movies that basically don't keep their main characters around, like when they do stupid things. So, like, it was yeah. nice to see the main character could like go down in an instant, even if it was anti anticlimactic. Yeah. Uh, when, so when like these characters are dying, like, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was surprised when Alia Shawcat died. I mean, other than Patrick Stewart, I would say she's probably the most famous person in this movie because of Arrested Development. Yeah. Um. So I was expecting her to kind of stick around for a, for longer than she did, and I, I knew that Anton Yelchin was going to be like, if anyone, the person to survive. Mm-hmm. But when Alia Shawcat went down, especially before Imogen Poots, I was like, wow, they uh, they're really <laughs> going with this. <laughs> the funny thing, like uh, we were, me, I was watching this one with my parents too, and uh, she's like. Is that the chick from Whip It? I'm like, oh my god, Whip It. I haven't seen that movie in so long. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, but yes, she is. I haven't seen Whip It, but uh, that's Good that's movie. a deep dive regardless. Yeah, she's like, she, yeah, she's a friend that works with the rest. I'm like, I believe you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got anything else for Green Room? Yeah, that's, that's mainly it. Um, definitely liked it the second time going around. Um Loved the cinematography, loved all the, the goody-goody stuff, loved mm-hmm. the characters dying so fast, and Patrick Stewart, my man, you're terrifying. You Stop are it. terrifying. What are they doing? They're coming. We gotta go. And we die. How long can we wait? We're sure that is. Is that a pep talk? Just grab some shit, get ready to run. Here we go. Careful now. I can't die here. So don't. It's fucking hard, man.
So let's move on to the judgment. I'm actually kind of curious to see what you think just because of uh, how your first initial was. Let's start with Blue Ruin. Um, I'm just going to go out there and just say, yeah, I think Blue Ruin should go on the shelf. Well, we should just do both of them right now. Yeah, I also think Green Room should go on the shelf. I I think they're both great. I think they're both worthy of the shelf. Um, But I'm interested to think what you guys, you seem like you're going to be here on the fence a little bit more. Um, Blue and green, man. Blue and green, you know? It's like, it's like peanut butter and almonds, you know? What? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So if you would have asked me, at least uh, Blue Rune came out in 2013, uh, Green Rune came out in 2015, I believe, right? You would have asked me back in 2015 if I wanted these on a shelf boy. I would have been like, what the fuck is a shelf boy? Get away from me, please. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I probably 100% would have said no. But uh, I will say yes to both of these movies because I appreciated them a little bit more the second time going around. Uh, They were both realistic story-wise and everything else-wise, um, the cinematography was, was bar none. There's just real freaking good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I, I feel like I'm not sounding enthusiastic, but, you know, <laughs> it's Easter morning, you know? It is. We're doing this <laughs> very boys, early because we both got family these, stuff doing. These boys are shelf boys. That's all we I'm got saying. Blue Ruin and Green Room both make it to the shelf. Next week, we got two more movies. Glenjamin Button. And we're not doing double features We're anymore. not doing double features. Well, at least for a little bit. Yeah, we're, we're going to move forward. Glenjamin Button, what is your movie for next week? I have a multiple choice of three for you. Ooh. They're all three are drama, okay? But I will give you scenarios on what each movie is. Uh... One movie is a drama, and it's only got one person in it the whole movie. Mm. Okay. Okay. Another one is more or less of a drama romance. So there's a romance movie in there. And then we've got a drama that's more of a, I feel like a more political standpoint than anything else. I actually Mm. haven't watched this movie or read anything about it. So interesting. Uh, Tell me if I'm right. Is the one with only one person all is lost? It's not. It's not. Okay, we're going with that one then. Okay. Lock. Lock. Ooh. There you go. That's, that's not what I was thinking because, I mean, yes, it is technically only one person, but there's also he interacts with characters via phone, so I was not even thinking about that as a possibility. <sighs> man, let me let me tell you, Ivan Locke, a dedicated family man and successful construction manager, receives a phone call on the eve of his biggest challenge of his career that sets in motion a series of events that threaten his carefully cultivated existence. Mm. Directed by Stephen Knight, written by Stephen Knight, stars Tom Hardy. And, of course, there's a bunch of voices on there, too, but we'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. I think Tom Holland is one of them. Do you want to is verify that for me? Uh, let's see. He is. Eddie. Yeah. Tom Holland plays one of his sons. I remember uh, thinking that. It was okay, uh, pretty that. cool. Yeah. That's so Spider- Spider-Man, Spider-Man and Venom right there. Spider-Man and Venom both hanging out and being <laughs> father and son. Having a phone call. Having a phone call. 
<laughs> but yeah, that's so yeah, available. My pick is locked. Available on Netflix. On Netflix sponsor us. My choice is also on Netflix. Netflix sponsor us. Surprise, surprise. It is Give a movie money. I have seen, but a movie I saw like 10, 12 years ago. Uh, not 12, mm-hmm. that's mathematically impossible. 10 years ago. Um, uh, and I honestly don't remember much about it. So it's kind of going to be like a, a new viewing experience for me. It is uh, Synecdoche, New York. Written and directed. Synecdoche, New York? Synecdoche. How the hell do you even spell that? S-Y-N-E-C-D-O-C-H-E. New York. It is written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, who, as you know, has written like adaptation. He wrote Anomalisa. He's he's a very surreal writer. Uh, being John Malkovich is another one of his. Uh, it stars Philip Seymour Hoffman, Catherine Keener, Sadie Goldstein, Tom Noonan, uh, Peter Friedman, uh, Samantha Morton, Michelle Williams, a bunch of people. And it tells a story of a theater director who's struggling with his work and the woman, the women in his life as he creates a life-size replica of New York City inside a warehouse as part of a new play. That must be a big motherfucking warehouse if that's a, a life-size thing of uh, New York City. Oh, I, I remember seeing a lot about this movie. Fun, fun little thing. Uh, one of the movies that I was going to pick had Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. Oh, rest in power. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to rewatch this. I've been meaning to rewatch this and just haven't had the time or the means to. So, uh, actually, do I own that? I might own that. I do. I own it. I didn't even know I owned it, but (laughs) I could have, I could have watched it all this time, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, next week's movies are lock and synecdoche, New York, uh, Sorry about picking one that's hard to spell. Um, you can find those both on Netflix. Netflix, 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 sponsor us. God damn, that was terrible. And uh, <laughs> on Instagram, you can follow us at Keystone underscore Film underscore Review. Facebook, we are Keystone Film Review. Letterbox, I am Mike KFR, and I am Glenn KFR. And that will do it for this week. We uh, kind of had a car accident, train wreck thing go on at the end there. That was a clusterfuck. That's what's sick. You guys got in an accident? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A verbal accident. Whoa. But, uh, yeah. I'll see you. See you.